Greetings. Thank you for uh, listening to the Life Force Movement podcast. This is our second podcast. Very excited about um, uh, moving forward with what we're what we're what we're about um, today is going to be in reverse. I am actually going to semi interview Omar Finley, who interviewed me on my uh, inaugural podcast. Uh, he's my son. Uh, the title of this podcast is broken crayon still color. And the reason why I wanted this as our first podcast is because I felt that a lot of people, when it comes to the, you know, the words like broken and, you know, uh, things in our life that's changed the direction or the trajectory of our life, we either shy away from, um, it becomes challenging. We feel like we don't have support. Um, we try to compartmentalize that emotion, kind of like, okay, that's that's somewhere in up, upper left-hand corner or whatever of our uh, mental real estate that we have. So what I wanted to do is uh, I know, you know, one of the things that Omar has been through um, that was pretty, I would say, life-changing. I wouldn't say catastrophic. And, and I'm going to speak to, you know, some things that I have been through. And I, I think everyone that's listening can relate to how do I overcome or just start again when I've encountered a, a physical injury, emotional injury, trauma, uh, things like that. And, and in this episode, we won't be able to encapsulate everything that I would like to talk about, but it's going to start that journey and give you an idea of what the life force movement is about, because we have people from all walks of life. We, we know that people go through different things in their life and there are some basic things that you can implement and start to repair whatever or wherever you feel that you have been broken or or had a, an injury or whatever in your life. And we just want to, you know, start this conversation and hopefully you guys will take away some some valuable information. And if you do have any questions uh, about what we're talking about, uh, you can reach out to me at the LF movement at gmail.com. Uh, I'll try to answer questions on the next podcast that you guys have for this podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll just go in. So Omar, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. So, you know, when we started, you know, this journey and, and just talking about, you know, you challenged me on what I wanted the podcast to be about and what I wanted to talk about. You knew, you know, that I've been into, I guess, the wellness, lifestyle, holistic health, alternative fitness, all these multiple uh, genres of just living an optimum, optimum lifestyle. But you challenged me to really, you know, identify the direction that I wanted. And, you know, like I told the audience, you know, broken crayon still colored. No matter what has happened to you in your life, you can still create the life that you want by starting today. And that's what it's about. Just starting, understanding there's a process to healing in different areas and, and being willing to accept and have a very honest conversation with yourself and be aggressive with getting the tools that help you um, and, understand, and understanding where you are in your life as well, too. And, and I think a lot of times people, they'll say, well, I'm the type of person that and they will start telling themselves they will put themselves in a mental box. Well, I'm the type of person I don't I don't like going to crowded gyms. Well, I'm the type of person I don't I don't I don't like I don't like running. I don't like this. And I and I tell people I 
me personally, I love to run. I hate to jog. You know, basketball, I could play all day. Tennis, but actually getting in that cardio shape, it's like, and now I can't play basketball. I'm like, man, or can't go play tennis or whatever. I'm having to actually run every other day. You know, um, so I want to I wanna start this by, you know, talking to you about, and you know, guys, this is my son. So, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I'm not going to get too emotional, but one of the, 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 the scariest moments in my life is when your mother called me and you had, you had failed 10 feet, you know, and for, for, for the audience, my son is an avid, very great, good, you know, rock climber. Um, that's one of his passions. And, and so I think you were in Palm Springs and in a Joshua tree, Joshua tree, uh, National Park, Joshua tree, National Park. Joshua Tree, that's close to Palm Springs, right? Yeah, it's like, it's it's right outside of Palm Springs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I remember (laughs) getting the call that Omar fell 10 feet, and I didn't know that you had, what had happened, I just know that you fell. I didn't know you broke your your leg in two places. I didn't know any, I just knew that you fell, so as a parent, I was like, you know, oh snap, like I was ready to <laughs> jump on a plane, whatever the case may be. But, um, I think I talked to, to Damon or a close friend of mine and I was like, hey, let me let me calm down. Let me wait to get some information. And, uh, mm. and, and so I know once you got to the hospital there, once you got back to Baton Rouge, you know, and I know you and I talked about things that you can in, in incorporate for as foods and, you know, you you understood some things already on your own, but, you know, different teas we had you drink, different things that had healing properties in it. Um, and, but there was a mental and emotional aspect of it that you, you had to really have the internal fortitude to deal with on your own. And it, 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 so can you just walk us through don't give all the gruesome details. You're still my son, so I don't <laughs> And I remember one of your buddies like, hey, we recorded, you want to see it? I'm like, I don't want to see that crap. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. You, yeah, and you were in your last year of getting your master's, if I... If I, I was two uh, months away from finishing, three months away from two, finishing. Three months away from finishing. This was Labor Day weekend, 2017. 16. 16. 2016. Yeah. There you have it. So yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Wow, yeah, it was um, like you said. You know, there's not too much more to go into, but uh, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've always been just a little quick background. Like like you said, like I'm an avid rock climber, but I've always been kind of eclectic when it comes to like activities. I I don't know if you knew this, but I was always very prideful about like my physical sports prowess. I don't know if it's because like my mom, like I couldn't do sports a lot when I was as young as when I wanted to. So when I got a little bit more on my own, I like, I started really soaking up, like, you know, I used, I did gymnastics in you know, my uh, last two years of high school and I excelled in that, you know, I have a couple medals and all that. And then I, I got into, I really understood at that point, you know, 18, I really understood that I liked doing activities that were kind of solo, but that still challenged me mentally too. So that's how I got into climbing. So, 2016, I think I've been climbing for, 
about four years, if if I think I think I think back, I started climbing about 2012, 2011, 2012, but I started climbing seriously 20, 2012, 2013. So um yeah, so for me that was I don't know how many trips I've been on before then, but I've been climbing outdoors and, and I tell people all the time, it's just accidents happen and it happened. And, you know, I knew there was a, a, a instant I knew that I wasn't okay. Like, cause I, I fell and I, and it's funny, but like, you know, I fell from looking back. It, it was, it was probably a little bit more than 10 feet, but I've jumped off the of stuff 15, 18 feet, you know, I've fallen off and, and hurtled and, and things like that, doing gymnastics and, and climbing in general, you know, I've just been doing, I'm, I can, I've always been able to land on my feet and all that. So it was just a crazy, the way I landed was just what, what did it for me. And when I looked, you know, I didn't hit my head or anything. I looked at my leg and I saw it and I was like, mentally, I, I there was a moment in time where everything froze and I was like, oh, I'm not walking this off whatsoever. <laughs> like out of all the times I, I've done the crazy, yeah like out of all the things i've done this is it I, I i ain't walking off i can't walk at all actually you know you know i'm not going to go into how what my leg looked like you know the bone wasn't coming out or anything but you can when you when you when your big toe looking at your little toe you're just like what so um so but i was really calm and I, I remember, I remember being really, really calm because I was like, if I freak out, everyone else is going to freak out. Right. So I remember, I remember telling, you know, my friends who were with me, you know, Ben and Austin, I was like, hey, look, let's get me to the emergency room first and then, or at least get me to an ambulance before we call anybody, call my family. And I was like, because <laughs> I said, I remember going, uh, I said, someone's going to tear up the message and someone's going to think I've broken my neck. I remember saying that. Yeah. 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 Because when you hear 10 feet and I don't care whoever's listening, whether you have a adult child, teenage child, young child or a toddler falling in feet and hearing the number of feet, you know, if you hear that your toddler um, fell from their crib, you know, uh, called crowd up and crib and you're ready to, you know, kill the nanny. So yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. <laughs> uh but yeah, so uh, we did all that. You know, people had to carry me through the desert, like I was, like you know, a saint. Carry uh, through the desert. It, I mean, That's we right, were, uh, add the drama to the podcast. There you I, go. I was in the desert. I was in the, the desert. Was I got dropped? Like you know, people dropped me in the in the sand because they were saying, "Oh, you're too heavy." But you know, um, and all that. Yeah, you know, sixty. I was a buck sixty-five right then. Okay. But I was, I was at that point, you have to think I was working out. So I was climbing about four times a week, at least, at least four times a week, sometimes every, every day. If I wasn't climbing, I was biking to school, biking to school, bike, like I would bike for my transportation. I was biking all the time, climbing all the time. And then sometimes I was still, and I was doing acro yoga two times a week. So I was at the, that was the best shape I'd ever been in, in my life. Like I was, I was, and I was eating, eating pretty well, not as, not as well as I do now, as far as like eating times and stuff, but I was really, really locked in and I felt, I felt amazing. I felt like I could do anything at that at point when I'm 24. Um, yeah. So yeah, like, you was, was pretty shredded. You was pretty chopped up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
proud. Yeah. Um, and people thought I was lifting weights and I'd never, I still had lifted weights at that point. So like, I felt like I looked good. I felt good. And I remember after so that first point when I was like, I fell, I knew I wasn't going to be okay, but I was kind of joking around. And once I got to the emergency room or the ambulance, the pain, it, kicked, in. The pain kicked in. And then I started going, how long is this going to, like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, how long can I get back into it? You know, am I going to be out, you know, a month, two months? Because I've never broken anything. At, you know, right. and I had never broken anything. I was like, I wonder, oh, it'd probably be like a month or so. And then I go to the doctor. By the time I get to the hospital, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drugged up or whatever. And so he told me, he said, yeah, you're going to need surgery. And I said, Wait, what? You can't just set my leg and, and we go? He goes, no. <laughs> he said, you're not going to be good for a long, long, long time. And I remember him telling me that, and I broke down. Because all I knew, I didn't care about I didn't care about anything as far as school or whatever. I literally was like, I can't move? I can't move for how long? And, you know, we fly back. You know, my leg was broken so bad, it was so swollen that they couldn't even operate me on me then. And so they were like, you're going to have to wait a week, maybe two weeks before we can, before you can get operated on. So they flew me back home. And, um, when yeah, I remember, I remember that. yeah, so I flew back home and then, uh, I went to the, the, the orthopedic surgeon and I was like, Hey, so how long do you think it'll be before I can get back to climbing? Cause climbing's my life. And he was like, he looked at me straight up. He said, you're going to be, you're not going to be walking until next year. Probably, you know, your birthday's in February. That's probably a good date. You might be able to start walking unassisted. You're going to be in a wheelchair. Um, I said, wheelchair? And he said, yeah, you're going to be in a wheelchair. Uh, you're probably not going to be cleared to do physical activities till probably next year, like a full year. And that that was really tough. That was... Right. You know, and, and I, I really couldn't explain it to anyone else because I just I never had the the feeling of being free had never been taken away from me. And like being like I could always do whatever I wanted to do. And like you my body was my body was everything I cared about right. because that's why I did all those stuff. So I remember everything else, like, you know, I was joking and stuff like that. And and then once I started once I had that surgery and then the reality of it sat in where I was in my room. And I couldn't even move out of my bed for weeks. Yeah. I, I can't see you. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. move. I couldn't, I couldn't even go to the bathroom for myself. I had a little, I had a little jar in my uh, and I, I was like, that's when it like that was the hardest. I had thought I had been through some stuff mentally beforehand, I, but that really honestly was the biggest internal struggle of my life because I, I had nothing but time to sit and think and there was nothing I could do. And yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to let you continue on because I, I want you to really elaborate on the, the feeling and the journey once you start your journey. And I want to, you know, stop and say this. That's, that's a traumatic experience, right? And we have a lot of people, you know, women, men, we go through traumatic experience, whether it's something that we're doing, you know, sports related, whether it's something someone else is doing to us. And, you know, it's a part of our spirit that gets broken. And a lot of times it's 
it's broken to the part to, to the point to where you your friend saying, hey, you're going to be all right. I'm here for you. If you if you need anything, just call me. You know, I, I got you. You know, we hear these things. But when you're to this point to where you were and and some of the people that you thought probably was going to be in your corner, some of the people that, you know, surprised you. But that that alone is at night when no one's around and everyone's made sure that you got your food and now you're just with your thoughts and now okay where do i start (laughs) you know talk talk to me about that yeah um yeah you're absolutely right that there were certain things i didn't understand that i needed until it Mm -hmm. was happening um and i guess like i said before you know the idea that i could i wasn't free to do anything i wanted was the the biggest mental hurdle I had to jump over, but I got over that a little bit quickly, and and I really started the you know the other part of my life that I didn't talk about before. I was also doing stand up at that time. You know, I was I was a year and a half in, so then you know my brain started going, oh well, you know what, you can't move, you can't you can't do anything else except sit and think. So I started writing. I came up with like I wrote like thirty minutes material based off of like I was writing and I was like getting ready to perform. I was like, that's something I can do. I don't have to move, you know? Um, But it was was weird because like, and you brought up something, you said you don't understand who's going to come for you and everything else. You know, people are going to call text. And there was people that I I was very heavily involved with that they saw me one time. I I remember someone who I had, you might, I think I told you, I went on a biking trip like maybe two months prior to with someone. They saw me one time and then I didn't see them for a year and a half. After yeah, I, I remember after that. And that messed me up. You know, there was, you know, people that I was trying to kick out of my life and they came into my life and uh, they made sure, you know, even though they knew that I was mad at them, they were coming and I couldn't move. I couldn't lock my doors. So, you know, right. my roommate would let them in and they were like, hey, I know you're upset with me, but uh, you can't move out of this room. We're going to talk it out. And, you know, that was very wow. beautiful. Um, and that and it's really how I have some you know, close relationships I have now. But I also was at a what I didn't foresee was even all those people, all the close friends I had, you know, you get you and my mom and family, you know, they would call and, and check up on me. But I was still when I finally got to the point where I could kind of be left alone, I could get up, you know, kind of hobble around the house in my, uh, in my crutches a little bit and, and, and make my way at least in the house, I was still alone. Um, and so like, I, I became what I, I never had realized I had became emotionally, there was people who reached out to me that I was kind of involved with, you know, like, you know, especially there was this one, one lady, I think I told you about who basically, talk to me the entire time i'm talking about like morning afternoon night and like that i didn't realize how like alone i was and so i welcomed that and then like i'm trying to get you know right with physically but emotionally i was starting to be crippled because i was depending on someone else to like give me that what i needed emotionally only one person and then um i think i think a couple of months went by and then I, I finally got the, you know, when I finally started being able to crutch outside, the doctor was like, all right, you can leave the house. And I started going back to school and 
and like starting regaining, you know, a little, little bit more of my freedom and independence. Right. I, I met up with that person and they, after that, they just disappeared. Like I no talking, no nothing, no, no, Hey, whatever. And it was that, there was like a second trauma for me because like I had to, I was overcoming the physical trauma. And then I had to overcome the emotional trauma of being dependent on people just to talk to me, you know, because once I got to be able to walk and people were like, oh, he's fine. And I was like, no, yeah. I'm not. And yeah. it was, it took, it took a long, long time for me to, the joys of like regate, like learning how to walk again, that like got me up. But like, I really got like, a like, a, like I never understood or could foresee um, how, how much emotional, emotionally I was damaged, not, not just from the trauma of being hurt in a traumatic way, but how I, how I dealt with it and how all my relationships and, and how, how I dealt with my emotions because I didn't have any other forms of release. It just, it, I never, I wasn't equipped for that. I wasn't mentally, I don't think mature enough for it. So I had unhealthy, unhealthy habits and talking to people. And that took a lot to like come to grips with and, and then overcome. Um, yeah. yeah you, you know, um, you said something about the, the emotional part. It is funny. Um, I had a client uh, about three years ago and, you know, she would come to me and she, she had a lot of stuff, right? She listened to a lot of different people, had a lot of different herbs and, and she was eating and buying organic and all this stuff, but it was just everything just thrown together. Mm-hmm. And, and and I, you know, I, I did a consultation with her and we started talking through some things and, um, and I'll talk about this with the audience in one of our later shows, upcoming shows. Uh, I did a, a TCM, a traditional Chinese medicine uh, assessment on her. And I told her that because she had had her thyroid removed and I, I started to really deal with her emotional state because thyroids with, with women, um, there's a connection with the kidneys and, you know, adrenal glands and cortisol being released. And, and so I asked her, I said, what, what traumatic experience have you been through? Because it was showing up in my assessment. And she said, how can you tell this stuff? And I'm like, Hey, the body, you know, the body, everything shows up in the body. It shows up through the skin. It shows up through our mannerism. It shows up through our, our emotions. And, she began to tell me that, you know, she went through a very emotional thing, met a guy from another state, moved him here. She always worked hard, had a beautiful home, blah, 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 blah. And this guy just pretty much took all the furniture, blah, 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 really ripped her over the coals. And she was damaged by that for years. But all she knew how to do was just work, work another job and get everything back. But she never dealt with the trauma the aloneness. And, and I remember she was sitting in my office crying because she says, I never told anyone this. I've never, you know, I've, I've never really dealt with that. And for you to be able to ask me certain questions um, to get these things out of me. And I said, you know, like it's just showing up just by me, <laughs> just doing my job, right. Which right. you're, what you're paying me for. And that made me, and I was able to connect with her. And I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna tell my story a little bit. You know, in 2007, I and for the audience, uh, I'm six three, about two fifteen, 
um, on, on good days. <laughs> but, you know, back then, you know, in my mid to late thirties, I was about 188 pounds, you know, maybe 10% body fat. If that, you know, play ball all the time, always, I never had to really do cardio, do a lot of abs, do any of that. And it was, it was a weird day because I, we were playing ball and it was really, really hot in the gym and guys talking, talking crazy. And at that time I was managing uh, LA fitness fitness center. And, um, I, uh, we were at, we were at another fitness center <laughs> playing ball because of the competition there. And I remember going, taking a shot at going in the lane and I tweaked my shoulder a little bit. And then I remember going up and then I, felt it and heard my shoulder dislocate and I fell on the ground. And of course, guys, you know, man up, you know, pop it back in place. You remember when Dwayne Wade did it? You know, when he was at the heat, I'm like, man, I'm not getting paid millions of dollars and I'm not Dwayne Wade. And if y'all recall, Dwayne Wade was crying in the wheelchair when they took him off the court because the pain that I felt was unlike anything I've ever felt in my life. So within two or three minutes, I, I got to the front uh, of the fitness center and then uh, my boys were like, hey, we can take you home. And then I was like, no, call the ambulance. You know, like I am in, I've never felt anything like that. Like I was going into shock and ambulance came and they started giving me morphine and and I'm morphine talking. feel good, don't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do not propose <laughs> anyone listening, but Man, I never get him talking to the guy. And he's like, yeah, man, you, you tear your shoulder up. There's a pain. There's a nerve there. It's one of the most painful nerves in the body. And, you know, the paramedic was, you know, he was just talking to me. And within 10 minutes, he gave me another shot. Of more. I was in that much pain. So long story short, they set my shoulder. Um, I tore my labrum, part of my clavicle, and part of my rotator, but mostly my labrum. So um, for any people, athletes out there, the Bangor surgery, I had it, but the... The you talk about the loneliness. So now I'm faced with I can't run. Mm-hmm. I can't even work out with upper body. I can't run for six or seven months because I'm in a sling and they don't want anything jarring the stitches or anything like that. All I can do is physical therapy. So at the time, you know, person dating where I'm getting the the uh, the uh, the frozen Kashi meals, right? They're healthy stuff. And cause I really can't cook. I got one hand, you know, having to depend on someone. And it was, it was really, like you said, I was by myself and, you know, I had my buddies check on me or whatever, but what made me more sensitive to the emotional aspect and, and, and just want to let the audience know, we're going to have a really in-depth show about emotional weight, physical weight and procrastination and waiting to, for your life to happen. So we're going to go really in detail with that, but the emotional aspect of not being able to move and the things I was able to get away with, because even though I ate healthy, I ate healthy from a sports, just, Hey, I just, you know, I would eat brown rice, broccoli and chicken breasts all the time. And, you know, if I, even if I went to Chick-fil-A, I wouldn't eat the bread and stuff like that. But I still, went to Starbucks, I still ate oatmeal raisin cookies. I still was able to do, because genetically I had some things in my advantage, but I had a pretty healthy lifestyle, I thought, right? Mm -hmm. Now 
I was set, you know, I was sitting in sedentary for a long period of time in my life, the longest I've ever been, and I gained weight and I gained weight. And all my brothers said I was always more, you know, more cut up and shredded. And, you know, even though I wasn't a big, you know, big muscular guy, I, I, I felt I had a nice physique for, for my size and me being a, you know, a, a lover of basketball and tennis and stuff like that. So, the first, the first time one of my buddies, like, you get big, man. And I, the most I had ever weighed was 220. I got up to 228 pounds. And so at 6'3", you know, people are like, oh, man, you're carrying it well. But I knew what my body looked like. I knew how I looked before. And I mean, I gained 25, 30 pounds in a matter of. because Before my surgery, I had never weighed more than 196 pounds in my life. Never. Never up until 37, 38 years old. So I am, and that's when I was just going, you know, going ham at the gym and really just, just knocking it out. And I wanted to get that size, but I struggled. And I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to be 200 pounds and swole. Mm-hmm. Once the surgery happened and then my buddies started making fun of me because I was always the one that I would go play ball. I'll do my workout. They were having to do cardio. Oh, man, I don't need to do cardio. And, and, them teasing me and I that was really really hard you know when someone that you're dating saying oh baby you look good but you just you know you just don't have the muscle tone that you used to and they're trying to be sweet and you're looking at yourself like damn yeah you know, that you're, was- you're you're, you're trying and so here's here's the thing it made me better right it made me want to understand things from an emotional standpoint because you know you know, managing a fitness center and, and all that, I would always tell, you know, the front desk people or whatever, be sensitive to people who come into the to the gym because you never know what they're going through, right? You never know this lady that may be overweight. Maybe she's, her husband is very verbally abusive, right? <laughs> the guy that's overweight, you, you don't know. He could have been the star quarterback for his high school team and had an injury or lost his scholarship to, to doing something stupid and never recovered. And that's what happens. You know, people's one thing can stop a person from not recovering and they just go down a different path. It's the fork in the road. So for me, what happened was I, I said, okay, once I was able, it took a year for me to, to get back in the gym. Oh, I remember trying to run half a mile and I was out of breath and I was like, this sucks. This really, really sucks. You know, going to shop and when having to the, the biggest side, even when things are going to, you know, the skinny jeans and the slim fit jeans or whatever, you know, me having to go from a 32 waist to a 36 waist, you know, and me having like all these things, it really made me understand a lot of things that women go through the struggles after having a baby, the emotional things, you know, the expectation for them to get back to a certain weight or, or whatever, and some of the emotional struggles because it's hard when you start again and you oh, think, yeah, snap back and it doesn't. That is the most de- defeating, you know, it, it just, it just, oh, damn. Because I'm like, okay, I'm Tay, I'm about to get it, I'm, I'm back now. And my shoulder never, I never got the full range of motion to my shoulder. So before that, I was ambidextrous, so I could throw, do everything. Now, my shoulder is about 75% and I've done some additional work on it. So having to deal with that um, and just dealing with 
uh, just dealing with that. And, no, and when your body doesn't respond, and that's when I really started to go in deep with, with, um, cause I got lazy with some of my, my, just my personal practices, my, my meditations, the things I did, because I was just so focused on the physical aspect mm-hmm. and I went away from some of the, the basic foundational things that I've always did with myself that I had did, you know, in my, in my early to mid twenties. So I had to really build myself back up. And that was a journey that took probably five to six years up until I met um, Dr. Gabe. And I really began to understand when I started taking courses at Holistic University, shout out to Dr. Gabriel Hernandez L. Um, He couldn't be with us tonight, but definitely for those of listening who are interested in getting certifications and holistic wellness coach or other aspects of uh, wellness, medicine, alternative medicine, definitely reach out to him. But, you know, that was the hardest thing ever in my life. And, and I'll tell anyone that coming back from that. And, and so I can definitely relate, relate to you. And, and like I said, but it made me better because, you know, I've always wanted to help people. And it was, you know, you just can't, you know, write out a meal plan and tell someone to do this and, you know, eat this many carbs, eat this much protein, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all that stuff is great. But even the best of the best, you know, I watch, I've watched, pro, you know, uh, Netflix shows on bodybuilders. No matter the greatness that you're trying to achieve, there's a journey that's going to challenge everything, you know, your internal fortitude to the highest degree. And the best come out of that. And that's why I want to let everyone know it doesn't matter what you have done, what you've been through, just start. Don't give up. You know, you know, I got you (laughs) or has you, you know, regardless of who you're, you know, if you're, if you're going through counseling, if you're dealing with some emotional stuff, if you do whatever that is, just be consistent and just put your best foot forward every day. And, And like I said, we'll get into some things from a, from a nutritional, from just other things that can add to your, your healing journey. Um, emotional and physical, but yeah, I just wanted to share that. And like you said, that dark place, it's a dark place and it's a dark, and and sometimes it could be anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like people can be at a job from straight out of college to, to their 35. And that's the only job they had and they change. That's a traumatic experience for someone to tell you, you know, 15 years, Hey, and you've only had one job your entire life, Mm -hmm. you know, someone else, can be looking at like, man, why are you, why are you, you know, hey, this, this is life, but no one's trauma or misfortunes is greater than anyone else, you know, uh, and, I, and, I, and I tell the audience this, one of the things I hate when people say, hey, man, someone else has it worse, you know, blah, blah, hey, if, if a guy can't feed his family, he don't want you to tell him, you know, that someone else's family starving too, he's like, help me. I'm trying to get out of here and look for a job or I'm, if, you, you know, no one wants to hear what someone else is going through because they're in their, you know, exactly. they're in their moment, right. Dealing with things. So I tell everyone, Hey, you have a right to feel the way you feel. You have a right to, to, to want to be the best and you have a right to fail. You have a right to all these things. Um, no one can tell you how to be, the thing that I challenge everyone is just start and and be honest and go get the tools that you need, you know, whether it's for me or someone else that you trust in, 
um, just start. And uh, yeah, but uh, go ahead, Omar. You know, you were, you know, I just wanted to add what I what I experienced. And um, no, yeah. it, no, it was it's perfect because, like you said, it. And we've been saying this, you know, on the last episode and this episode too. It's a journey, and uh, for me, that journey, I. I understood like certain things, the physical side a lot sooner than I did the emotional side, like I was saying. So, mm-hmm. you know, me graduating to crutches and then me graduating to just wearing a boot, those are huge hurdles. And a lot of, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm blessed that I have so many different interests and stuff. So, you know, creatively I was, I was still, I was so intrigued. I just kind of started leaning towards, you know, I, and I, I kind of, think it was a blessing in disguise I really found out at that point that I was I was good like I was really good at stand up you know I was doing it beforehand you know about a year or so like I said um, but by that point by the time I got to where I was clear to do physical activity by the my physical therapy and physical therapy was a, a hell you know um, mm-hmm. by the time I got out I had started, it was so hard for me to like, I I looked in the mirror and I was like, you know, I'm not where I want to be physically right now. Um, But I'm clear to start. I remember the first day he said, hey, you're clear to go climb. And a lot of people always ask me, what was, what was I scared to go climbing again? You know, and they were like, well, you know, you fell. And I was like, no, I'm I'm never scared to climb again. I'm scared I'm not going to be as good as I was before this. That was like the right. only thing I was scared of. I was scared that I could never get back to that level. I was never afraid of going to climb or whatever. And I was also scared. There was another thing that emotionally I realized that there was, I love some, I, I fell in love with stand up so much. I knew that there wasn't enough hours in a day for me to do both at the level that I wanted them to do them at. So I realized I had to give it up. I had to give up climbing every like five days out of the week, you know, or, you know, once I got back into it, you know, now it's weird. I do it. I do it for months. I'll do it like two times a week and then I'll, I'll, I'll taper off, you know, get busy with, with comedy and then I'll go back. But that was a big, it was a huge mental, emotional, like, hurdle that I, I realized I had to go through because I was like, I came out of it. I was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm ready to go. And then, but someone was like, Hey, you're booked. You, you got really good since you couldn't do anything else, but focus, you know what I'm saying? Like I, mm-hmm. I can only focus on the creative. And now, you know, uh, that happened in what 2016 is 20, it's 2020, you know, I'm just now getting to the point where I'm, I'm as physically almost as physically active as I want to be and performing as much as I wanted to, but it took a lot of discipline to like swing the pendulum back. And, and, and even emotionally, I was like, I, like I said, I wasn't there. I started climbing when I, when I got cleared, for instance, and then my mind in my mind, I was like, I'm not as good as I was. I quit. I quit for like six months. And then that right. took me, and then I got back into it again. I was like, you know, hey, I, I got to work back up to that. You know, I didn't touch my bikes right. for a while because I was I was upset that I wasn't going to be as good as I was. And now, you know, a couple years later, I you know I've matured to the point where I was like, hey, it's okay not to be as good as I was in 2016, but I don't want to be that good anymore. I want to be better than that. And that's what really started motivating me and became the catalyst for me to like right. get back in, like really get back into it and make a dedicated and concerted effort to really get my, my 
fitness and health journey back on back to the level where I know I can be because I want to. But it just took it took years of time. It took a lot of trial right. and error. You know, a lot of people, what you said, uh, not, not to mean to cut you off, but what you said when people were like, you were always this guy, like people in the comedy scene, when I used to, when I first started, I was, you know, I, I always, I would take off my, my jacket. So they would be like, oh, wow. And then for me not to be that guy anymore, that hurt me. Like people were like, man, you lost all your, you know, you used, they used to call them the icy peaks. Cause I had, I had, they used to say there was Sherpas in, on the, in the crease of my arms. Cause they were the icy right. peaks. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, to lose that, yeah, you know, and, and then work back up to it. It takes a lot. Yeah. And, and let me ask you this. What was there anything specific? Was there any routines that you started? Like you told yourself, I'm going to do this. Rather, it was um, just on an interpersonal level. Was there anything that you started to do to kind of shift the loneliness? You know, you mentioned that and the emotional stuff. It, where, where did you know, when did you realize there was a shift and that you knew that, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, you felt the momentum going the way that you wanted to go. Uh, as for the loneliness, um, alone, like the emotional stuff, it really what got me out of it was once I went through, you know, some of the, the, I realized I was being dependent on certain, uh, certain people. And I, you know, maybe that wasn't as healthy as a relationship as I thought. What right. really got me into it, you know, focusing, focusing on what I did like to do, focusing on the things that I knew made me happy, like comedy really made me happy. Um, and really just kind of going back and dialing back into some of the relationships that maybe I had overlooked in the past. And, you know, those people had come through and, and helped me out, just really focusing on the things I knew were good. That really started helping me out. And also having patience with myself and, and understanding that, you know, it's a journey. I, hey, right. those, you know, those milestones of when, when you go into physical therapy, you know, it was grueling, but I also came in contact with a lot of people who had, they wish they had what I had, you know, they, they wish they only broke their leg in a few places and, and got some metal. You know, I saw some people that, that, you know, put it to perspective, but we also, you know, I made friends and we talked and, and having other people to interact with that I definitely knew, knew my journey and, and could understand it and, and, that that really brought me out of it, um, and I I think like I said I think it was a blessing in the size that I got that I got hurt. It, it forced me to emotionally deal with some stuff I never I never really sat and thought about before a while right. with uh, like you know some of my relationships and stuff like that. But it also it forced me to get get stuff right and start dealing with things in a in a healthy way after a certain point, you know. Um, and so, yeah. I'm glad. And, and one thing I wanted to say, like, um, I used to cheat myself a lot afterwards, you know, when, uh, yeah, like I used to cheat, like, uh, I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to work out or I'm gonna go climb, but I can't afford it. And I can't afford it right now. So I was always waiting for like pristine conditions. And then it took me like, it took me like a year to be like, Hey man, you're just a scared. You're just scared that you ain't going to be able to get back to your thing. Like I said, I was like, I didn't need money before to work out. Like I used to bike to the to the park and then do pull-ups and then bike home, you know. Right. I used to do all right. that. And so that's a good, you know what? That's a great segue to what I wanted to say because fear is a, a very powerful mm -hmm. um 
energy. And like you said, I was afraid. And, and I told someone, uh, someone reached out to me, Courtney reached out to me. Uh, and, you know, he's doing great things with his business consulting. And, you know, we were just talking, we were just catching up and we talked about fear of success and fear of putting their first foot forward because now there's responsibility when you start. Mm-hmm. There's expectation, not from other people, it's expectations in your own, you know, subconscious because you know where you're supposed to be, no matter what you tell anyone else, no matter what you tell your parents, your kids, your best friend, you know where you're supposed to be when you lay down at night. You know, especially if you've had some level of success and some people that have it and feel like they don't know their purpose. That's a, that's a, we have a, we have a, uh, a show coming up in, in about four weeks called purpose in, in, in process. But that's, that's the thing to where you're right. You know, saying putting stuff off and putting stuff off and putting stuff off. And, and I, I went through that as well. Um, you know, before I had the, the, the shoulder injury, you know, I mentioned on our inaugural podcast, one of the things that really made me be very, very committed and aggressive to, you know, wellness and, and alternative medicine and all these different things is, you know, I lost someone uh, and it was a traumatic experience uh, losing your uncle Stacy and, and, you know, he, you know, I'm the oldest of my siblings, but he was the big brother that I never had. And, and going through that and being able to, during that time, I didn't work out. I, I played ball. I did some things, but I was so disconnected from what I should have been doing. And I kept saying, well, I'm going to give myself more time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it wasn't until uh, I had a couple of, um, you know, run-ins with some close friends, some arguments that made me realize that I had to get back on my healing journey. I had to get back on the things, my lifestyle, the eating, the, the working out, the emotional, the spiritual things that I was doing. And so it, it really made me committed and just to understand, like, you can't be afraid of starting over. And that's what I want to tell the audience, no matter where you are, where you got stopped, you know, your frustration, because people start to stop all the time as well, too. And that's a big thing, especially when you're dealing with the emotional stuff. And I think a lot of times the formula that people a lot of people that I know when I talk to them, it's like they have this formula of have, do, be. I'm going to have something, I'm going to do something, then I'll become something. And it should be opposite. You should be, do, and then have. Be who you are. Be everything that you say that you want to be to yourself. Do the things that it requires for you to be those things, and then you'll have the life that you want. But in, in, in our society, we're so committed to having things first and then doing things and then becoming something after we've accumulated something. No, it doesn't work that way. And that's how you build that strength, because if you become who you need to become by putting in um, um, developing certain standards, habits and some of the things, you know, and just knowledge and information and and being that then the doing and the having becomes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that you were able to, uh, come on today and, and, and share that. And, 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I I want to uh, share a couple of things with the audience, just a couple of tools that I've I've used in the past to help me through some of these things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, thank you. I, uh, I really, I, when you asked me about to talk about that, I never ex- expected that that to be a, a, a learning experience, you know. Uh, so yeah, it was cool. It's good to share that, you know. I, I left out the gruesome details. I know you you don't like hearing about no, it. Man. No, man. I don't want people, you know, like this. This is too much for me. You know, <laughs> the thing about it is, um, you know, I was having this conversation with someone I, I really respect, and. You know, we were talking about affirmations, um, you know, meditation, visualization, law of attraction. We were we were talking about all those things. And I said, what happens? Is, so now I'm going a, I'm to a do the scientific. I'm going to give a scientific explanation, you know, for everyone that's listening, why these things do will help um, from a scientific. Because what happens is um, it's called methylation. And it basically when one carbon atom and three hydrogen atoms, they will take on this journey of repairing different things or uh, adding on to different functions in your body. And for, for my medical people out there, you know, biology or whatever, chemists, you know, feel free to correct me <laughs> on my Gmail. But my understanding is this, it will it will help with your, your DNA sequence. It would help with uh, injuries, inflammation, the way you think. Because um, what happens is the methylation process it helps in, in creating melatonin, mm-hmm. right? So as your body creates melatonin, it helps healing faster, you know, helps the, you know, helps your body get centered to where if you're, if you're entering into a new, you know, diet regimen or you're entering into a new workout or it's just your overall mindset, um, this process helps with that. And, you know, whether you're doing like a meditation or you're, you're, you're doing a breathing technique through yoga or you're you're doing some kind of practice, whether you're praying consistently, but you know, every morning I'm going to get up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm going to pray, I'm going to work, I'm going to do this. Whatever you adapt as a habit and you're consistent with it, it starts to change your the way your DNA is functioning and it, it helps the way you think. And like I said, anytime you're producing melatonin, this is helping with that. So I just wanted to add from a scientific point of view, like you guys incorporate something. And like I said, if you want help with that, reach out to me, reach out to me at the LF movement at gmail.com. You have questions or life force management USA at gmail.com, because these are the things that I I feel that um, I'm pretty knowledgeable in and things I have done myself. You know, one of the things that I did uh, when, when I was, you know, down and like you became, you know, focus on the creativity. I really focus on my, my, you know, I journal and I really went inside because those feelings of when your friends are teasing you and you know that, okay, now you're the person, you don't have the six pack anymore, or you're the girl that was homecoming queen. And now you're not that in you're meeting with your girlfriends. You haven't seen in five years, these things you have to really, talk, you know, to yourself, how do you really feel? And how do you really want to feel? Because remember, there's a difference in the way things are. You know, our perception, a lot of times as human beings, we perceive things the way we are instead of the way things are. 
<laughs> and we have to really deal with what, the way things are, not the way that we are. And once you quit projecting your your inner feelings, because there are some studies done, and I'll, I'll have the statistics that it states that when the brain, um, if you tell the brain something over and over again, even though it's something that you want or something that you're trying to create or a goal or affirmation, your subconscious mind begins to take over and make that to where your conscious mind starts to act on that. So you can say, well, I don't believe in this stuff. I don't think I can do it. Don't verbalize that. Don't verbalize the negative. Um, I was watching a podcast on, um, on YouTube and it was talking about just, you don't have to be a positive person. Just don't verbalize the negative stuff. That will help you, right? So you know, could be like, I'm not positive. I'm pessimistic by nature. Just right. don't get out loud. Even if you tell yourself, you know, I'm, I'm healing. I'm wonderful. I, I'm thankful for my abundance. If you just say some things over and over again, regardless if you believe them or not, just don't verbalize the things that you don't want in your life. You know, that's the biggest you know thing I want people to take away if you're trying to incorporate a practice um, to just just something you know, mind, some mindfulness every day, just do some mindfulness. That's what helped me. I did some kind of mindfulness every day, whether I listened to something positive on, on, on YouTube, whether I incorporated some affirmations or simple meditation, whether I went to yoga that day or whatever, just some type of mindfulness. So you can really, or journal, just practice something. Um, and everyone's personality is different. Don't get me wrong. You, you have to practice something that you gravitate toward, but just do not verbalize the negative feelings that you have inside you. I think Harvard or MIT did a study. So when you when you say something negative, it's it's 10 times as powerful and has four times the effect of saying something positive. So basically, if you say I can't stand myself to counter that. You have to say, I love myself like 30 times to counter that one negative thing. And, and I'll have the statistics, but they, they've done these studies on how your, our neurotransmitters kind of fire off just by, so just stop talking negative, you know, yeah, <laughs> do something just to, if you can just start that way, it, you will start to see the change because you, I feel, I feel stuff all the time. I just won't verbalize it. I just refuse to. I do my best not to because I understand if I say, you know what, Shantae, you suck today. I know I got to baby myself for the rest of the day. <laughs> I know that because I'm confirming, I'm confirming to the universe something that I don't want. And so, yeah, don't, don't worry about everyone's not jovial, happy-go-lucky. Just don't verbalize the stuff that you don't want in your life. And like I said, you know, no matter if you have been broken, if you have gone through some trauma, you know, uh, I'm all about, you know, universal love to everyone. Just know that you can create because you ever see I've drawn many times on a blank canvas with a broken crayon and turned it in in the third grade and still got a good grade on my paper. So, you know, that's the analogy that I use. Broken crayon, still color. Um, thank you for tuning in to Life Force Management. Um, the life force movement, excuse me, I'm shouting out my Gmail. Hey, um, Omar, did you have any other, anything else that you wanted to share? And, and Hey, please, um, guys, 
audience, if you if you're into really great comedy, I, I think my my son's gonna be the next biggest thing. Um, you can give them all your platforms to check out your content. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, thank you. Um, no, I didn't have anything else to share. Um, like, like I said, I, I really just enjoyed just being on this thing, uh, podcast and just sharing my experience on kind of rebuilding myself and, and, and still learning that I was like, I, like you said, broken crayons can, you know, still color. And, and I learned even when I thought I was at my, at my worst, I was still, I still could do things. I could still be creative. I could still do that. And now that journey just helped me understand myself better. Uh, if you guys want to follow me uh, and what I do and, and listen to some of the jokes I have, I have a podcast called Open the Mic uh, right now where it's me and another uh, host and we talk to different comedians and other you know artists and things like that. It's just you know, a little bit, a little bit less. We just you know going going about the creative process and, and doing stand up. Um, I'm on Spotify, iTunes, all the major streaming platforms. You can look up my name, Omar Finley. That's O apostrophe M A R uh, Finley. Uh, find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Omar Finley um, with a zero instead of a O because there was no one before me. It's just been me. Um, that's and then uh, yeah, I have a comedy company called No Show Comedy, and we're all on the on the streaming platforms and and we have a couple albums albums out and things like that as well. And, you know, um, YouTube and all that. So we have got a lot of content out there for everybody and uh, got some clean material, got some not so clean material. So I got a little bit for everybody. So I would love to have a follow or just message me and and yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, the beauty of uh, yeah, that's funny. The not so clean. I remember the first time I, I I went to Baton Rouge to hear your stand up, and I heard you drop the f bomb. Like, yeah, that's my that's uh, that's my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say this. Let me go back. Like I said, if you have um, one thing, I like to do. Um, we, if you have any questions about anything that we covered, anything that I've shared, um, feel free to reach out and let me, it's the LF movement at gmail.com. If you're looking for a consultation or anything like that, um, just email me at either that email or life force management USA at gmail.com. And we can uh, set up a consultation. Um, one thing I want to talk about, um, as well, really quick, uh, on the first, uh, podcast, you know, we like to leave little nuggets for people who are looking for, you know, a little advantage or edge here. You know, mm-hmm. I talked about an elixir that uh, Dr. Gage and I were working on and uh, yeah. the, he had created. And it's, um, and it builds your immune system. So we have the, uh, the lemonade with the agave nectar and the, the, uh, the blue spirulina, you know, if you, if you, if you can only find green spirulina, that's great. Um, but to, to make a gallon, 10 lemons, you know, plus your water and your agave nectar to taste and a tablespoon of spirulina. So some people may use a half a cup of agave nectar, just depends, but it's, it's the, the rule of thumb is 10 lemons, you know, spring water, get you some, some good spring water, agave nectar, and a tablespoon of blue spirulina or green. And if you want to, you know, throw some fresh ginger in there as well, definitely build your immune system. Um, my power smoothie, um, someone was asking me a smoothie that I use. I use it for pre-workout or pro, uh, post-workout. I do a, a 
one banana frozen. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut up bananas. Yeah. Then I do uh, <laughs> half a cup of blueberries, uh, about a half a cup of strawberries, uh, half a cup of pineapple, uh, cashews, handful of cashews, a cup of almond milk. And um, and this time around, I'm doing maca root. I'll put a tablespoon of maca root in there. Uh, sometimes I do um, uh, Irish sea moss and moringa. But yeah, blend it all together, man. It makes about 24 to about 28 ounces. And uh, yeah, I go hard. <laughs> Those are yeah. one for power smoothie. Um, yeah, that's a good recipe. And if, if you need it again, just reach out to me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the measurements and all that. But once again, thank everyone for joining. And hey, the key is the, the key is the chi. And we'll talk about chi energy and, and, and prana and all that good stuff. But the key to everything is uh, having, you know, level up on your energy, guys. Anything that's taken away from you, uh, distance, you know, distance yourself from it. You know, your energy is precious because with your energy being up, your peace of mind is there and you can go out and accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in life. So thank everyone for joining. And uh, thank you, Omar, for being a guest and uh, look forward to the next podcast. Thank you. Bye.